Welcome to the Soybean Pod, brought to you by South Dakota soybean farmers and their checkoff. I'm Tom Stever, discussing the incredible soybean, the people who grow it, and why that crop is so important. Business consultant Jolene Brown says farming alongside those with whom one shares DNA is both a blessing and a curse. Brown, who spoke at the 2022 Ag Outlook Conference, has decades of experience consulting families who are in business together, especially those who farm together. She's our guest on this edition of the Soybean Pod, talking about the importance of planning and the importance of positively engaging all parties involved in farm business succession. Well, hello to you. I am Jolene Brown. I'm a professional speaker and family business consultant, and yes, I'm also a real farmer brown. Our farm is 40 minutes west of the Mississippi River on a non-flood year, so we're from eastern Iowa. We can get closer and during drought years, and of course, you all know how the Mississippi is so low this year, even the barges aren't able to go down as they would like to fully loaded. Mother Nature always rules. I've decided this year, since we had about a 45 degree temperature change yesterday in one day that mother nature must be going through menopause. So I'm going to put her on some hormone pills. This is crazy. (laughs) That begs the other question that I did not plan on today, but how much do you depend on the Mississippi as a method of transport for your grains and soybeans down to the Gulf? Well, Eastern Iowa, Western Illinois are certainly have that as a benefit basis here to use the Mississippi River, but we're also blessed to have ethanol plants and uh, ADM and other outlets for our corn. And since there are 6,000 uses for a kernel of corn, it's spread all over the United States and countries beyond. But yes, besides animal feed, a lot of our grain would go down the Mississippi. And, you know, I've always been so tickled to say that we're one of the few industries that actually sells product and makes money for our country. (laughs) So (laughs) hopefully the rains will increase that river. I know they're dredging down river to get barges through. So it's a real challenge. And now the potential railroad strike, boy, this is going to be quite a zoo. So how did you begin your speaking and consulting career? Well, when the land values crashed in the 80s and the haunting words coming down our country roads were suicide and foreclosure, bankruptcy, and even murder, our interest rates had gone past 20% and we lost 67% of our net worth. So it was a really struggling time. And one of our ag organizations brought in a celebrity to bring us some hope Well, my husband and I drove the three hours to get some hope, along with 500 other farmers. And I was just so grateful for the words he shared, the message that he had to bring us, that at the end of his talk, I could hardly wait to shake his hand. That's when I heard the final comments by the MC saying that the speaker had to leave right away to catch a plane. Well, I was really disappointed. So I wrote him a letter about three weeks later, and I shared with him how I was able to apply the things he taught to agriculture, because I said, you know, what we need is more than hope, we need some help. So here's examples for each of your main points, feel free to use them. And when you do come back, could you stay a little bit so we could thank you or ask you a question or shake your hand to see if you're human? (laughs) He called me. (laughs) And you know, that celebrity became a student. He said uh, after about an hour of our conversation that he had one more program for the same company in Illinois and one in Indiana, also extremely hard hit. And he said, I'm going to shorten my program. I'm going to put you on the program. 
And I want you to tell everybody exactly what you just told me and answer my questions because I always have to leave to catch a plane. And then he said, I'm going to have my assistant call you tomorrow with your travel itinerary. And he hung up. And that's how I started two weeks later in Indianapolis, giving my first support to bringing more than hope, but help to the people of agriculture. I was waiting for the name. Who was the celebrity? It was Lewis Timberlake. He's now deceased. He was the apostle of optimism, and he's from Austin, Texas. You share best practices during your speeches, Jolene. Those likely vary, of course, from person to person, but generally, what are those best practices in farming and family dynamics? Well, what I've learned, and I knew this from early on, is that in agriculture, we have all types of resources for our production. We can go just about anywhere and learn about weeds and seeds and breeds and feeds and money and machinery and marketing. But we forget it's the people that do all of that production. And sometimes we're crappy with people. So I focus on the human side of agriculture all the way from certainly in family business. And that is my specialty. I do full day workshops on that because there's nothing better or worse than working with family genetics. But I also talk about advocacy, the need to be a true champion for what we do. You use humor to reach farm audiences. What is it about lightening that mood that makes for successful family and business relationships? Well, first of all, as a speaker, I've learned a long time ago that if we laugh and relate and engage, only then do they learn and apply. Well, it's the same thing in the family business. If what we go through is a dreaded process, the thing we have to do every day, and it's so easy for a farmer to say, oh, you know, the crops are crappy, the critters are sickly, the machinery's junky, the weather's lousy. Well, doesn't that make you excited to be in business with that person or to be a part of agriculture? Instead, we have to take a hard look. Now, When I talk in family businesses and we have the communications contract, one of the things says that we're expected generally to have a good attitude every day. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't bad days or we don't need support or we don't need to vent or we don't need to walk away. But generally, is this your profession of choice? Being able to celebrate that opportunity to do something that we love to do in an environment that we have a a large part in creating, I think that's quite a gift. So sometimes we have to pause to applaud all that we have done. You mentioned that you uh, lived through, you survived the middle 80s on the farm. Tell me what life lessons on the farm have most built your character, Jolene? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I think... Learning how to sustain and how to thrive, flexibility, sacrifice. I think all of the things that are really valued and values of many of us in agriculture, because we live where we work and we work where we live, it's critically important that we learn how to ride the roller coaster. And I often have to tell people that we dare not ride it alone. Right now with our our mental health, and sometimes things are so fragile out there, We need to make sure we have really good resources to help us for this. So I think going through the 80s, it taught me several things that I translate to family business. And the first one is you need to have people in the family business team that have some grit. In other words, they've ridden the roller coaster. One of the challenges I have, Tom, is I have a lot of people in their 20s and maybe early 30s who are ready to take over the farm, but they have no grit. They haven't withstood the test of time. And the enemy of grit is ease. 
And quite often the senior generation has made it way too easy for the next generation to be part of the family business, both financially as well as job responsibilities and learning curve, skin in the game. They've made it way too easy. And so the next generation has not necessarily developed grit. That doesn't mean they have to do things the same way as the past generation, and we sure as heck hope they don't. But you need to have those wise masters. And as I help people work through a triangle, at the base of it is labor. We all need to start with the boots on the ground and scoop poop and have junky equipment. Labor well. Then I hope that you learn how to manage. Maybe you're good at agronomy or herdsmanship or marketing or mechanics, but you're good at something. So we're going to put you in charge of that. And as you begin to manage different aspects of the farm, then you get to lead. But I always have to remind the senior generation that at the pinnacle of your career, you get to become labor again. You see, you've worked so hard to build this business and you've brought somebody in and you said to them, walk behind me, labor, 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 walk alongside me. Wow, you're a good manager. And all of a sudden now I get to follow you. Now, what we don't want is to kick that senior generation off the farmer ranch because that truly is their soul. But what we need to do is to make sure that we have a process here where the next generation is learning how to lead and the senior generation is learning how to leave. So we learned a lot through those 80s. And one of the things is you better have somebody on your team who has some grit. Probably the most important question they will ask you is, wow, that's a really good idea. How are you going to manage the risk? Because they saw what happens when you don't mitigate the risk. So we need to have that. And with that 80s, we also learned that money truly matters. I have got to often open eyes to the reality. Is this a business really worthy of transitioning to another generation? In other words, are you financially secure? And you have you provided security for the senior generation if they put in blood and sweat and tears and years? Because I'm surprised. Did you know everybody wants a paycheck? <laughs> like some income? They'd like a, a health insurance and a vehicle to drive and the farm should pay for the gas for the pickup. Sometimes they want the farm to give them a house to live in and pay for utilities. Well, you start adding all that up and sometimes you think being paid so little is not so little. But I always have to remind people in family business that providing income for people has to come out of the cash flow, not the net worth. You know, I work with all sizes of family businesses, and I work with those in business who are not transitioning to a family member, but are transitioning a business. And we always have to take a look at the money because money truly matters. It's not all roses there. So speaking of that, how should those life lessons be embraced to make a lemon pie out of life's lemons? <laughs> well, there's nothing better or worse than working with family genetics. But what I know is that if you're going to be a business, then you must operate as a business. And that's the only way you get to be family. One of the bottom foundation points of all that I do in family business is that people have to make an intentional choice. Do they want to be a family first business or a business first family? And I will tell you, Tom, that at least 90% or more are contacting me by email, by conversations, by phone, by text, by Facebook messages, because they're operating as a family first. Let's not rock the boat. I don't want to get dad mad. Gee, I think there's a will. Oh, we just all get along. You know, we love each other. We'll all be happy. And they are operating that business and the future of that business on a habit, assumption, a hope, and tradition. And I've learned that hope's not a very good strategy. But sometimes that works out, but I call that luck. 
Instead, I want them to know that if you want to operate as a family first business, that the business needs to be a hobby because you cannot count on it for consistent income and profitability and productivity or peace of mind. The tools that I teach help people become a business first family. Now, be careful. That does not mean you demean the family. It does not say the business is more important than the family. But what it says is we love and honor you, this family, so very much, we had better get the business right. If not, you lose both family and business. Because one of my talks is called Stop the Fighting on the Way to the Funeral Home. And you know what I'm talking about. Everybody knows brothers or sisters or cousins or grandmas or aunts or uncles who are not talking to each other. Why? Because they didn't do things when the times were good and have the tools to use in place when the times get tough. It's when you operate as a business that you truly love and honor your family. Because the the bottom line of what I do <clears throat> and when I give my presentations is to help people increase their productivity, and it will, and their profitability, and it will. But I want them to have some peace of mind and sit together happily at a holiday table. That requires doing the business right. You, of course, live on the farm, and a lot of your upbringing is in rural areas. How do farm life and a farm upbringing make people well-suited to deal with adversity and challenging situations like you've mentioned? Well, in an interview last week, the person interviewing me said, I see by your biography that you were raised on a farm. And I said, well, some say that I was raised on the farm, but I got to tell you, the farm really raised me. And I think that is one of the things we have to celebrate is all those lessons we learned. One of the most important ones, besides finding kitties in the barn and having a swing that could go as high as the sky and having a sand pile, but ours was a little too close to the chicken house, if you know what I mean. But we learned how to neighbor. We learned to ask for help or we learned to be there to help, but never once did we exchange money. We truly learned the value of neighboring. And for me, we live six miles from town, our little hometown of West Branch, Iowa. And everybody between my home and those city limit signs, they're my neighbors. And what I'm finding is that to have that type of support, that type of camaraderie, we have neighbors moving in now who've never lived on a farm, but they bought the farmhouse from somebody as an acreage. Well, we have to educate them about things on the farm. Matter of fact, one of my neighbors, my new neighbors, called me because we had somebody knifing in hog manure on harvested ground. And she called me and she said, can they do that? Is that legal? Can you smell that? And I go, oh yes, you believe in organic farming? Well, that's part of organic fertilizer is what's going on that farm out there. And the wind will change tomorrow and you'll be just fine. So learning how to neighbor is not just giving and receiving. It's also educating along the way. But we have a neighbor, you know, who's in his 90s. And I watch him, I can see our farm is on the top of a hillside hilltop down the valley up the next hill about a quarter of a mile away is his house and i watch when he goes to get the mail to see if he's turned around and he makes it back in the house if not i'm in my vehicle to see whether he might have fallen or if i just missed him we need to learn how to neighbor to truly care and you know during the covid time we, we shut down we shut into ourselves it is at that time that I was making sure that our sales reps and our crop protection people and our equipment people knew, get in your pickups. You drive out to the farmsteads, you put down the end gate and you talk to the farmers. Yes, you'll be more than six feet away and yes, you'll be in fresh air and no, you're not there to sell anything, but would you be my neighbor? One of the most important things that we learned on the farm was how to neighbor. Another thing that we learned is that 
people communicate differently on the farm and in agriculture. They really do. Here's how we coach people. Watch and then you'll know. Get out of my way. I can do it quicker or read my mind. (laughs) That doesn't work out so good. And you know, I'm just like everybody else. The more I have to communicate with people, the more I like cows. Because if I don't like that, oh, biddy, I'm going to send her to market. I can't do that with sisters or brothers or moms or dads. And yet we've learned that communication is the bloodstream of our business. And I always have to remind people in agriculture, did you know that grunting and rolling your eyes and cussing and swearing and slamming doors is not acceptable communication? (laughs) You tried that in any other business and you'd be fired. Why do you think you can use that in your business of agriculture? We also have all this new technology and we have generations who want to text and tweet and others want to talk and meet. So we need some help and some tools and how we can bridge that communication because it is the bloodstream. And, you know, on our farm, we also have all the radios and we have our smartphones and we're texting back and forth. But inevitably, this is how my husband wants to communicate with me. Hand signals, right? (laughs) So (laughs) I'm in the tractor guessing what he has to say, watching him stomp his feet or get grumpy or make a hand signal even bigger as I'm trying to guess what he was saying. So what I find is that if we're going to work through communication, there's different ways to do it, and people like to communicate differently. We've been talking a lot about family business. It's really important that you learn that being part of a family business is not a birthright. I do not want moms and dads bringing in the kids. I want leader managers hiring really worthy employees, earning the right for labor, management, leadership, and ownership. Be this through purchasing or sweat equity, which is, by the way, rewarded every year at the annual meeting, not at the time of death. Or maybe it is an inheritance that is planned and backed up by a buy-sell agreement because wills are changed on a whim. So you see, Chad, this is very complex, and yet it is extremely simple once they have the template tools. Again, this is not a dreaded process of working in family business or growing up on the farm. It is a process a process of learning that can give us great peace of mind. Because one of the things I hear most often after I did my presentations is this, Jolene, you've been sleeping under my bed. (laughs) So I want to know what's keeping them up at night. And it is not the yield. It is not the price of the cattle or hogs or poultry. It is not the fruit and vegetables. It is the people. And so we must focus on the people, the human side of agriculture. Generally, Jolene, what do you want? In just a couple of sentences, what do you want audiences to take away from your presentations? First of all, I want them to celebrate who they are and what they have chosen to do. And if you're not liking what you do, would you just quit? (laughs) There's people bellyaching about stuff we have to do every day. We have a choice. We can quit. We can cope. We can work to change the system. Or in agriculture, we're a part of a whole new system. So I want you to know that you've chosen this. So let's celebrate. The second thing I want them to remember is that they're in the people business, not just production. And they are willing to spend so much money and give so much time to all the production and very little acknowledgement of the people. And so I want them to know that there are things they need to do and tools they need in place to help that process. Now, this doesn't mean you're not going to do all the production work, but it does mean you honor the people. And the third thing is directly from that, and that is if you truly love and honor your family, you've got to do the business right. I don't want you to be like the hundreds of calls I have, where sometimes the only thing I can do is just to hold a heart. 
there's nothing at that stage in the game that can be done except to count what you've got left and not what you've lost. There's so much we can do to turn that around and to have it be a better place because people have worked so hard in agriculture on their business and they want to transition it. They want the legacy to continue. Then for heaven's sakes, do the work to make it happen. Professional speaker, farmer, and farm business consultant, Jolene Brown. The Soybean Pod is brought to you by South Dakota Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and at sdsoybean.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Tom Stever.